You're listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning through your favorite podcast provider, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Bringing you the latest news, views, and abuse from across the United States, here's your hosts. And we're live. Welcome to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Corey Munson, coming to you live from Iowa. I'm joined, as always, by Aaron Castro out in Arizona and Liam Madigan-Fried in Massachusetts. Josh Fredland is uh, behind the camera. He's uh, over handling the comment section, so be sure to hit him up and uh, send us questions. We'll go ahead and try to address those on air. So, fellas, how was your week? Finally went to my first Cardinals game, victory. Uh, you know how many 15 uh, wins there are in like the NFL? Apparently, you know, you only have a chance of getting that result of the scoreline like 1% of the time in the NFL, supposedly. Some stats dude was talking about on the radio tonight. But um, so getting to the West Valley and parking was, was easy because, I mean, the Cardinals are bad right now. And uh, so there was plenty of parking, but getting out, man, I'm, we're going to have, we're going to re re-examine where we park next time because I'm not spending an hour in a queue to get out of the parking lot. Well, I mean, that's just, uh, you know, a, a gamely occurrence for Patriots fans because we tend to sell out, you know, most of our games, you know, but that just. That, yeah. that just comes with being a fan of a good team. I'm okay with it if it's a sellout, but <laughs> the stadium was only half full. We're talking about management of traffic within the parking area. I mean, with the way the Cardinals season is going, I would say that stadium was half empty. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, good times. 49ers, down with you. If you live in the valley, get rid of that crap and burn it. And, <laughs> and join the Red Sea. Join the Red Sea. Support your team and none of that transplant BS. Thank you. Yeah, well, if anybody cares to know, uh, my my week was uh, pretty good. Uh, right now, however, I am uh, coming to you guys live uh, via my phone because my computer decided to be an asshole and, like, update right before the show was going to start, so I was kind of left with uh, no other option. But other than that, I'm feeling pretty good, like a little less than two weeks before I'm supposed to uh, move to Houston, kind of start start a new chapter there, and excited for that. I like the hat. Thank you. <laughs> Go Sabercats. <laughs> yeah, I am, as you can tell, hey, look at that, the uh, color of the wall changed. So you're gonna, I must be at my new place. You're going to add some stuff for the studio that you just built? <laughs> uh, n- not yet. Maybe, uh, who knows? Maybe after Chicago, I'll bring something back with me I can hang up. So, uh, yeah, uh, the move's still ongoing, and now we're uh, in the process of trying to sell the house. So that's... Uh, oh, you're, you're that's selling it. Uh, selling the old house, yeah. You're not yep. going to start your own Cedar Rapids real estate conglomerate and use it as a rental property. It's not not, a, not quite yet. Not quite yet. Maybe next year. Maybe 2019. Uh, so, but if anybody knows, if you want to buy a house in Iowa, I have got a great deal for you. Let me tell you. 
So uh, uh, with all that said, what what's up, Liam? I was going to say, if, I, if I'm ever like in the witness protection program or entering into the witness protection program, I'll hit you up. I'll need a place to stay. <laughs> Iowa, just, it feels like one of those uh, places you'd go. <laughs> yeah, it is anonymous a lot of the time. <laughs> no, my, uh, my wife's cousin saw the price of the house and he's like, you know, if you wanted to fly the house out to uh, Silicon Valley where he lives, he, we could probably sell it for about a million and a half. But uh, here in Iowa... It's a pretty good deal, so mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, with that said, for those new to the podcast, first, thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate this. We do this every Monday night where we discuss news, rumors, and all about Major League Rugby, the United States Professional Rugby Union. It's a chance for us to look through, look and talk through the issues, hear from the league players and team leadership, and check in with our friends from across the U.S. rugby scene. So, Aaron, tell us what we've got coming up on this week's show. So, for the rundown, we've got, you know, Raptors dropping another one in the preseason, but it really wasn't that bad as the scoreline would suggest. Uh, USA versus Maori, sort of a, an overarching preview, not really uh, digging too much into the nitty-gritty. And I guess more of a tour preview because we have three games in Europe after this one. Uh, the Rooney U20 program was just launched. We'll get into that. And then, of course, last week's transactions. Which, as always, it seems like every week there's uh, more and more. We're really starting to ramp up towards the beginning of the season. So looking forward to that. All right. Let's talk some uh, rugby in Colorado. So last week saw Infinity Park in Glendale hosting the America's Combine. Uh, And that was players from North and South America trying out for, among other things, MLR contracts. Uh, The Combine combined capped internationals from Uruguay, Chile, Brazil, uh, Canada, and the U.S. And following the Combines, uh, a team was kind of put together, the America's Rugby Selects. And that they faced off against the Raptors on Saturday, I believe, and uh, took care of business. They, the selects beat the Raptors 59 to 31. Aaron, what do you think of that? Uh, well, uh, you know, uh, th- there's a lot of ways to look at this match. I, I looked at it uh, sort of all encompassing when you, when you need to examine what Glendale has done in the preseason uh, two of their matches uh, in the preseason were canceled. Uh, they were slated to play the Utah Warriors, so I kind of wonder what they would have looked like prior to this week. And perhaps they would have looked a lot different because I'm not sure if high performance would have been cool with uh, Sean Davies and Will McGee out there had they played two other fixtures. But um, you got to see some good stuff from the Little Magician and Will McGee who is probably going to be our starting flag <laughs> against the Maori. But um, so holistically, uh, their first preseason match, which was back in the summer against the Collegiate All-Americans, was really bad. It was atrocious. Uh, I had questions about how Glendale really took preparation for that because most of the their hardcore knock-on starters, uh, you know, Sean, Will, and – a few of the other, a lot of the other guys had basically just hopped off planes from their off-season vacation, and you had most of their young players who were in camp, you know, had done the 
Ash or in training to go to Aspen, but really it, that was sort of an embarrassment. And, uh, you know, uh, coach Williams, you know, g- gave him the riot act and we've seen a lot better, uh, performances so far since then against the barbarians you had basically what would feature uh the a lot of the younger players because uh sean davies and will mcgee didn't play but they destroyed the barbarians in uh their scrimmage it was like 82 to zero or something it was 80 something to nothing and then they went up to ontario both sides really not being up to what you would say full sides because they both played some young players. Uh, but again, improvement, competence in the system, they look pretty good. Here, you know, what What did we get? Uh, Glenn, the Glendale players were exposed to uh, Tier 2 and t- tier, th- tier 3 national team players. Uh, Ryan Reese, All-American, had some comments about being in Selects Camp that were shared with me. Um, he said this was the most professional and intense environment he's been in. He's a scrum half at life. Uh, uh, he got to play. He scored the last try uh, for the America Selects. And it wasn't really the coaches that made it the most professional environment he's ever been in. He said the intensity and professionalism that the players that were in camp brought from that were from the Southern Hemisphere and the Chilean players, the Uruguayan players and the Brazilians was just crazy. Whether it was a workout film or uh, just passing, they just were perfectionists with their intensity. So um, when it comes to attacking defense of Glendale, uh, you saw what you really wanted to see. Uh, early on, you saw a lot of competence. Their defense played very well. It was a close game uh, early on. And you kind of made wonder what was going to go on. Uh, like I said, uh, you just want to see improvement when they're playing this tough of a schedule going into the MLR season. And to be honest, uh, that Rugby America's team is was loaded. Uh, every team would be able to find space in the MLR for those players. I think if you took that team as constructed, they, you know, they'd be a top two team, if not the overall winner in the MLR, provided they stayed healthy. Um, Chad Guff or Guh, I I don't, someone needs to correct me on how to say his name, but the way it looks like is Guh. Uh, He didn't appear in the MLR last season. Uh, People thought he was going to be with Utah and he he didn't play. Uh, But he he looked real good in this game. He had an intercept try, but as far as his scrummaging was concerned, really liked it. There, you know, depending on who you talk to, uh, there have been reasons why he hasn't gone further. Uh, you know, I don't know what he did over that period of time to work on his game, but his game has definitely improved uh, from his collegiate All American days and. How Utah let him get away to Glendale, I don't know. Um, but yeah. Well, no, honestly, this game definitely interested me in the fact that we have seen some signings coming out of South America, um, especially uh, two brothers that we're going to be talking about later in the show uh, down in uh, Austin. Uh, also, Houston just recently signed, uh, uh, I, I believe it was uh, Santiago Arata. Well, so this well, 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 well. I want to say we had the news a month ago on episode two. Check the tape. Yeah, yeah. All right, that, that that's my bad, Aaron. But basically, what I'm saying is like that. that <laughs> 
this is a talent. This is a talent pool of players that has yet to really uh, be fully taken advantage of up here in North America. And I think with the you know the greater and greater emergence of MLR, we're going to be seeing a lot more players with a ton of talent coming out of that talent pool down in South America. And this was just another chance for that uh, you know to really come to the forefront in terms of how teams can start to get that talent integrated into our own system. Uh, plus, also, it was it was great entertainment to uh, you know just to show the fans in Glendale another kind of side of what rugby in America, not just North America, can uh, actually be. And you know, probably not the best look for the Glendale Raptors to fall with such a result. But at the same time, it's pr- probably pretty cool for those players to be coming up from South America and actually get a victory, you know, here on American soil. Yeah, uh, you know, there's there were some. You put pulled up the stats as far as score it, the scoring summary was concerned. Uh, you know, you look at the way this thing went. Uh, Nick Johnson, uh, you know, he had two tries at the seventeen and seventy minute mark. Uh, Lane had a try at the thirty minute mark. Guff at the forty two minute mark. PNR at the sixty minute mark. It's not like you know this wasn't a competitive game and they weren't in it. Uh, Will McGee was a three of five with his conversion, but some of those he didn't really have a chance. Well, it, it, it was a, it was a, um, I believe it was a tie game going into the half or it was at least a 10 was point tw- game. I think it was 12, 15, um, at the half. Yeah. So no, it, it, it was definitely a pretty close game going into the, going into halftime, but I think it was either fitness or it was just a lack of game planning for the second half and being able to adjust on, you know, on either team's parts, you know, in, in terms of the, uh, in terms of the, uh, the selects, they came, well, they came, yeah. I wouldn't call it fitness. They were just, the selects, like, were just better. And Better overall, they, yeah. They just they were just better, uh, you know, because these the benches were extended. I think they went out to twenty eight players. Uh, so you know, both sides. Uh, what was it uh, Scott Weisenmantel said uh, the who is the head coach for the selects? Who is the attack coach for England? Uh, don't be surprised, everyone, if Scott Weisenmantel isn't the next world rugby funded tier two coach out there. Uh, I mean. He's pretty good. Australian coached with Eddie Jones a few times and again. So, but um, like this, that team, that, that select side, it, it was really strong. Uh, it's kind of interesting to see that uh, MLR didn't try to get some of these players last year, but uh, you know, with such a low salary cap, it would be tough to ask people to commit to more uh, visas and whatnot. But so- uh so if you had to make an early guess, what percentage of these players do you say get MLR contracts? I mean, is 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 100% a possibility or do you think it's it's likely to be less? Uh I would say 100% of the South Americans, uh the the Canadians I'm unsure of because I think the Canadians that will get contracts because most I think the for I need to look at the list but the None of the Canadians that were that showed up to this uh, showed up to this combine. Yeah. So so none of these Canadians that showed up to this combine were on the travel squad that went to uh, England for the repechage. So the guys who don't have contracts that are going to get contracts, I think it's going to be the guys that are on the Canadian national team that. Uh, don't have MLR contracts and don't have overseas contracts. 
Like those are the Canadians that are going to come down. The the South Americans, I would say, I mean, they all pretty much started. So I'd say a hundred. You could be at a hundred percent. Maybe if one here or there, but they're all capped players as well. So getting there, demonstrating their value to immigration is you know negligible. Like it shouldn't be an issue. Well, that's that's definitely good to hear. Like I said, it's a great talent pool that you know MLR can start pulling from, especially with the emergence of professional rugby down in uh, Uruguay, I believe. Or was is it Argentina or Uruguay that so, you know, there's been there's I been mean, rumblings about it. The the league that's supposed to happen is I guess called Sul Americana Liga America. I don't know. Is supposed to be an eighteen league in South America, but I I I, I mean I guess sort of I'm a cynic. And I was a cynic when MLR came around, uh, and I wasn't sure if it would ever get off the ground, and it did. But they announced basically two and a half years in advance. And it, if they're sending their players up north, uh, the only players going north that make sense to me are the Uruguayans because they want their players playing at the highest level possible going into the World Cup warm-up, going into the World Cup warm-ups. So everyone else is like, I don't know. Um, are you trying to bring back lessons learned or is that thing ever going to get off the ground? I'm unsure. Uh, if it does, that would be great. Cause then, you know, I guess we'll end up with the champions cup and then we'll start having to, you know, get mad about the number of fixtures that our players play. You know, I mean, we could just, we could kind of end up like the six nations where we all compete against each other, you know, beat each other, make each other feel good until we end up playing somebody like South Africa or New Zealand. And then we learn how, <laughs> how the hierarchy really works once again. <laughs> Go Ireland, though, in the, in the upcoming six nations. I, I guess this would be a good chance to give a shout to, um, we do have our Spanish language show that uh, En La Melee and be talking a lot more about uh, professionalism in South America as well as uh, some of these South American players coming up to MLR over on that side. So be watching for a new episode of that in November. So, si, Viva right. En La Melee. Yes, sir. Uh, so another thing going on, uh, one thing coming up this weekend, I guess, is the Rugby Weekend. Uh, Aaron, you and I are going to be over there in Chicago. I think uh, Victor from En La Melee is going to be there. So uh, I'm, I don't know about you guys, but I am looking forward to this, this weekend. Um, and I think ahead of that, we just want to take a couple minutes and kind of talk through uh, the USA men's match against uh, New Zealand's A-side, the Maori All Blacks. Uh, we've lost both of our previous matches uh, to the Maori. And in 2013, we dropped it uh, 29 to 19 and then in 2016 at the same event it was it was pretty bad we lost uh, 54 to 7 obviously kind of hoping for a better result this time around uh what are you guys what are you guys looking at um liam um we have a bunch of call-ups to talk through here first i guess <laughs> well unfortunately i'm still waiting for my right. uh so, <laughs> yeah, my, my, my computer to load right. well I'll, I'll get uh, through these so um Chance Wengleski, uh, he's from Lindenwood. He's been in the APC. Uh, I think Chance, I'm pretty sure Chance is capped. Uh, no, he's not. Never mind. Uh, but Alex Martin, who previously was capped as a prop, has been converted to hooker. He's from Life. 
Uh, Tim Moppin went to Trinity, played plays for NOLA, and he is Eagle number 446 on the wing. Saul Wuching from Washington, Eagle number 519. He's a flanker, just called up. Luke Hume, Eagle number 428, just signed for Rooney, played with Old Blue. Um, you know, he's a uh, old man Hume. Little did I know that uh, he can actually, still move, though. He can. I'm st- actually <laughs> closer to his age than he is to Corey's. But you know, Luke's been around a long time, and uh, he's got a he, he's hanging around on a robo leg. So uh, we'll see about that. Um, but it would be kind of it would be kind of cool story to see him back. Uh, Marcel Brocky, uh, he's from the Western Force. Eagle number 503. He's got eight caps on the wing and center. Uh, so this is interesting. I think he's going to be a game-time decision uh, pretty much the whole tour. So if he stays with the team, which I don't think he would have left Australia, uh, he you know, he really wants to solidify his spot in the World Cup squad. And, uh, you know, we're going to need him if, he can, if he's fit. But uh, his season ended early for the Western Force. Uh, so hopefully he's fit and he's good to go. Gannon Moore, a guy whose name I totally didn't know. Um, yeah, nor did he, I. I. This might be his first cap. Am I wrong? Yeah, if if he's capped, this would be his first cap. He's been called in several years ago into the Eagles training squad when he was with the Kansas City Blues. But he's been playing down in New Zealand uh, two years ago. He play, He turned out for the North Harbor in the Mitre 10. Uh, since then, he has continued to play with the Silverdale Seahawks and has been selected to the North Harbor B team uh, this last season during the Mitre 10. Um, then we've got Mika Cruze. He's 20 years old, uh, sort of got snubbed uh, during the U-20 qualification process for the Junior World Trophy. But guess what? It doesn't matter because he turned out and he showed out during the APC. Uh, you know, he... I mean, he really didn't need to go to the U20s, I guess, because he's been called into camp. Needs some work a little bit, but, you know, um, if he gets pulled in and he makes it, uh, good for him. Still young, but uh, right now we are kind of thin. Um, Tony Purpura, Eagle number 416 from Massachusetts. Uh, it was kind of interesting to see him come back into the good graces under uh, Mitch, and then he really hasn't been fit for about uh, you know a year and a half, he got injured last year while he was playing for the San Diego Legion. I'm I was sort of unsure about this call up, but people seem to tell me that he played pretty well for Old Blue this year, and he I think he started for Old Blue in that uh, weird fall cup thing that the performance game board wanted to talk about since Old Blue won't be competing for the national championship. Just, just unless they change their mind, I don't know. Um, yeah, shot across bow, guys, compete for the spring title. Just, just do it. Um, Nate Brinkley from Nyack from St. John's Prep. Yeah, uh, he, he's from Eagle. He's from Marblehead, though. Um, if, Locke, if I, if I, Eagle if number four sixty nine. So, um, yeah, he is apparently from Marblehead. So. Yeah, that, 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 that's my high school's uh, old rival town. Pretty much, if if you grew up if you grew up in Swampscott, Massachusetts, you knew everybody from Marblehead. And yeah, no, he's 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 from the area. Got to represent the North Shore, but 
Some, something about him being from Marbleheads is going to leave a bad taste in my mouth, especially if he's going to be playing for Rooney. So I, there's some interest. Some of these call-ups are interesting right now with all of Khalifi dropping out due to injury. Uh, you know, we needed another loose head since T.D. Lomosatelli is playing at tight head position, but T.D. Lomosatelli, I believe, is not released until we hit Europe. So... Uh, he won't be starting at tight head instead of where he's been at loose head. So we'll have Eric Fry as the starter at loose head needs someone to fill in for all of Khalifi. So that brings in Chance Wengleski and Tony Purpura. Again, um, Wengleski is a guy that's been on the outside looking in for a while. He's very young, um, but he's been performing at a pretty high level. Um, Alex Mon, uh wow, kind of surprised here because uh, I – I guess that puts four hookers in camp, well, three hookers in camp uh, since Joe isn't released for this game. Um, and that gives us the butcher, Dylan Fawcett, and James Hiltebrand also competing for that slot. It's very interesting to me. There's 36 guys in camp right now. Uh, this is probably the largest camp we've had in a long time because, you know, we need that money. So, um, like, like I said, there's 36 guys in camp. Expect eight guys that are on the total roster of 36 not to be named for the travel squad to go to Europe. And I'm pretty sure a lot of these guys might not be making it. Um, but, uh, you know, interesting call-ups overall. Uh, I think, you know, we're kind of thin at the center position for the moment and wing. But I think that will level out when we get to Europe this but, you know, I really don't know what to expect because we didn't have a two-week camp. We, we had like a, a, a one – we're having a one-plus because the guys started training, those that were released and not playing, uh, started training on Saturday. So you had a bunch of guys in, uh, Saul Mooching, Hanko Hamishai, Tony Lamborn, tons of dudes all getting their work in on Saturday uh, in preps for everyone else to show up. Uh, so, Aaron, if you had to choose somebody from this squad who could be a surprise cut, that, you know, t- tons of guys who you might be like, eh, I could see that coming, but if you had to choose somebody who's going to be a surprise cut from this uh, from, from this training squad, who would it be? Oh, geez, from the squad. Um, let me look that up. Pardon me, everyone. Gotta, gotta make sure I'm talking. Could it be some? Could it be somebody like, like you know, like Luke Hume, for instance? You know, especially well, if his in, if his mean, injury history does come up. You know, oh, a surprise cut. I mean, Luke just being in, like in and around the squad to me is a surprise, because really? for a while, I mean, yeah, I mean, he hasn't been in the squad for about three years, um, so and part of that is because of his injury history. Uh, I would say, what who would be the surprise that makes it in? Uh, to the the surprise that makes it into travel has got to be Gannon Moore um, because of these guys, uh, he's been off the radar for a while. Um, the rest of these guys, you know, we're talking cap dudes or people that have been in the high performance system, you know, champing at the bit, trying to get their shot. So if Gannon Moore makes it onto the pitch – against the Maori or makes it onto the training 28 that goes to play that goes to Spain for the Samoa match that will be impressive and I will want to see him play just to see that 
It could be like what you could think of uh, as like an underrated underdog story, if anything. If he, I know now. Now I'm rooting for this kid. Now I want. Now I want more to make this goddamn squad. I no. didn't even know who he was before today. So, um, yeah. So I guess the preview of the the November tour is. I don't. I guess so. This was my expectations when I sort of knew the slate of games back in about April, except we're playing Samoa and not Tonga. Um, my expectations are about the same. Need to go two and two and be competitive in the other two matches. Um, and it's going to, I look at this as a sandwich, uh, probably lose to the Maori. If we, it, you know, the way we've played, I think we can punch them. If, if practice goes well this week, we can punch the Maori in the mouth and we can play a great game and be in position to do things, just like we were in position to do things against Scotland. Is, is um, beating them realistic, though? Is beating them realistic? Beat, yeah, beating them. <sighs> I mean, it's the Maori are loaded with all blacks and guys that are trying, that, the guy, and guys that are trying to get capped. Guys that are competing to hopefully get pulled into that World Cup training squad. So, sort of at the end of the day, we're still a tier two country, and the Maori could be a top 10 team on their own. I think most people think that. So, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be a tough match, but it will not be like the last time where we just got our butt whoops. That's for sure. Definitely. So, I mean, if you if you were to ask me, which you know I'm not going to wait for, I'm just going to say it. But I would say like a a good point differential, even if we were to take the L uh, going coming out of the game, I would say minus you know I mean I would say twelve points maybe eighteen points might be might be excusable. I mean, if there was a line on this game, I would say the line opens at minus fifteen for the Maori. I would I mean I would take the points if I was the Maori at minus fifteen. Mm-hmm. I. I, I the reality is, is let's say if we hold them under fifty, and we can, and we look, we look good in our attack. You know, there, there's chances. But if I, we, I, I want to see tries as opposed to just penalty kicks. You know, would definitely be a step up. Oh yeah. In terms of, in terms of getting points on the board. <laughs> tries. Yes. Oh yeah. I mean, we've got players that can be dynamic in the in the open, like Ryan Matias. If you play him at outside center. Uh, you know, things can happen. Uh, if you play him at 11, things can happen. Uh, you know, we can, pl- we can play fast-flowing, hard-hitting rugby. The, the, in- the difference here is we don't have some of the guys that allow us to do the same thing as that we did against Scotland, which was drive up their tackle count using guys like Joe Tofete and Samu Manoa and Bryce Campbell and Paul the CK, all of these big dudes just running, you know, through the midfield to drive up the tackle count on purpose. Um, so it's going to be interesting. We're going to play. We're we're going we're going to play some hard hitting, fast flowing rugby. I just want to see us play good on defense because I think on attack we'll look okay. Defense is where you know it's going to be interesting, but I think we're going to be competitive. Uh, in fact, I know we're going to be competitive. We have a very competent coaching staff. We have a great leadership group of players that are experienced. That have, for the most part, Gary had his hallmark so far 
has been consistency. So if you didn't play in the summer, the likelihood of you playing against the Maori might be small. Just, just, I mean, the way he has selected players, it's been consistency as much as possible. Um, I guess, uh, you know, another thing to look at with most of this roster, including the extended roster has been everyone's in playing shape for the most part, uh, which is a bit unusual for our autumn internationals. Uh, part of this and, and thanks to MLR and the other part is, you know, and thanks to MLR pushing guys to gain overseas contracts in the likes of Landry uh, and Bryce Campbell. So it also, it encourages them to, well, like, you know, to continue to play even outside the MLR season to, you know, stay active with their clubs and stay active in the gym just to, you know, because now it's money's on the table in terms of roster spots and in terms of getting higher tier contracts and impressing the coaching staff and, and you know, going forward in years to come, getting that much more money, you know, added to your contract. Because, you know, as we know, it's pretty much all one year deals that these guys are playing on. So it's always a contract year until, you know, the foreseeable future. Pretty much. Um, moving on. Uh, so uh, New York launched their U20 program uh, last week. Phil Terigno has been appointed the head coach for the Rooney Academy. He is the former head coach of Texas Tech. In fact, I did not know he had left. I, I found out that he had left Texas Tech by reading that press release. Uh, he's currently an assistant at West Point with Kyle Sumsian. Um, so that's talk about a great coaching staff right there when it comes to your forwards group. You got oh, hey. Phil's a Phil's a prop, um, so he he trains your front row, and so you're gonna have a but have your your little own front row academy really coming out. I think uh, Grant Cole calls it a foundry, but you might have <laughs> a, a foundry, foundry down in uh you know up in the Bronx. So. <laughs> foundry right 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 ahead of the engine room. That's what that's what uh, Grant Cole calls the second row. <laughs> so there, so that there you go. You know, it's uh, it's a really good hire. Uh, Phil is a what well, is described as a technical coach. He knows his position group very well. He can coach it. He can train it, and you know he can select players. Yeah, you know how hard is it to recruit players to play at Texas Tech? It's pretty hard. He had fielded a competitive team while he was there. So, so. I have finally got my notes back. <laughs> well, there we go. Hell yeah. So, Corey, what, what are we moving on to now? All right. Well, I think we are ready for some transactions, guys. Oh, heck yeah there, guy. So, uh, no, if... Still... No, I, I, actually, I actually finally got my notes back so I can tell all you good people about the transactions that we got going on. Well, uh, lead us off with some uh, Sabercats news then, man. Hell yeah. So going uh, towards my good old Sabercats, we have Pat O'Toole. Uh, people might know him if you're from the San Diego area or a fan of the Legion. You might know him. At, uh, he played for the team towards the tail end. Uh, however, he kind of got his uh, big start on the big stage with the Ireland U19, fa- uh, the Ireland U19 team. Uh, and you know, since, since then, he's been able to impress, especially uh, you know, with, with his play uh, with, the, with the ball in hand. He's actually not that bad with the ball. 
Uh, second, we got Kevin Sullivan heading to NOLA. He's a former Cal rugby prop. Uh, right after that, we have Travis and Josh Larson, uh, two brothers coming out of the BC uh, Premier League, having played with the Bears. Travis having played uh, professionally in Italy. Uh, and Josh ha having played uh, with the U20 uh, Canadian team. So both of them coming in with some significant experience on the big stage. And uh, after that, I think, Aaron, you guys, you have some guys to tell us about. Yeah, so, I mean, those are some good signings. Pat O'Toole, this was, that's an interesting one. He had graduated from the Senior Academy with Connaught, was playing with the Pro 14 side when he somehow parachuted into the San Diego Legion, which is kind of cool. But uh, you, you've got another high-level hooker coming in. But um, if I got this right, Jasa Veramalua, from Fiji Sevens is signing with the San Diego Legion. Uh, he's six foot five, two forty. He's got some pace, uh, you know. Some list. He's he's an athlete where you may want to put him in the back row, but he's basically he transitions onto the wings. So I guess you've got a Jordy Barrett type player, big physical. Well, actually, he's probably way more physical than Jordy Barrett, um, but. A big physical wing with the way they liked, the way they wanted to play last year will uh, add to what they want to do. And then we've got Mike Petri, scrum half, eagle number 384. We're talking a 57-cap international scrum half to um, probably uh, take Marcus Walsh's lunch um, because uh, Mike can play. Uh, he played at Nyack. Also, a great children's book author. R is for rugby. Go buy it. Um, just, just do it. Um, and we've got Malcolm May from Penn State. He's a flanker signing for NOLA. If anyone watched Penn State last year, especially going into the playoffs, this guy's a difference maker around the ruck. He goes to work. He plays six usually, so we'll see him play. But guess what? Um this this probably makes it uh, for Vince Jobo to go play seven. You know, um, saying uh, they are set up in the back row. I think at New Orleans. Oh, hey, look at that! That was a smooth transition there, Liam. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Nope. I just finally had to transition from my phone to my computer. Uh, so that yeah, sorry if that was a little bit awkward right there. <laughs> it's all good, brother. So, listen, while we're still on transactions, does anybody want to explain what the heck is going on with uh, Matt Houston? Does he play for the Free Jacks? Does he play um, for Rooney? So, so, so it's this simple. The Free Jacks had one fixture. He wasn't, I think, the only person like that is legit. A Free Jack is tied leader. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if – I wouldn't say Matt was loaned out from Rooney to – the free jacks, but a bunch of people got calls from Alex Magleby to put together a side so that they could go play. Uh, you know, Ontario, they needed to put together a side um, around a mystic core that could be relatively competitive. So, mm -hmm. and you know, the final scoreline was relatively competitive and it, sh it shows what's up when he's only, he's not even going to be there for a long period of time. And he earns the captaincy right away. So for a team he's not even going to be on, 
Well, exactly. Now, nothing's confirmed, but at the moment, Rooney's definitely the best chance that he has to play and earn money. So obviously, he's not going to stick with just an exhibition club that's going to play one or two meaningless games. So it was expected that we were going to see him on an actual MLR side at some point in the season. Now, the one the one positive that did, did come out is that he's going well for me at least as a uh, Boston fan. The one positive is that he's now kind of in that free jacks like circle where the door is open for him to return next season. Should the free jacks be able to put the money oh, up, you know, like like trying to st- like trying to steal Nate Brakely and Tony Perpura via social media. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, Break Brakely. Uh, like I said, I got my I got my own opinions on people from Marblehead, but uh, you know, <laughs> you, you turn against the nation, we don't forget it. <laughs> well, but, as uh, I understand, as I understand it, all's fair in love, war, and rugby. So that's what oh, I've yeah, heard. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Recruit however you want. <laughs> all well, right. I could say they were trying to poach. <laughs> no, that, that's, I was just—I was just making a pun with the whole Liam Poach thing. I'm not accusing anybody of poaching. <laughs> well, yeah, gotta say, gotta say that real quickly. <laughs> Disclaimer. Yeah. All right, guys. So, what do you say? Should we uh, take some questions from Bob? Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, starting us off, Tim Dash Edwards wants to know. Does anyone know if the games, the MLR games, will be streamed on YouTube like last season? Well, they weren't streamed on YouTube last season, so I, I guess the answer would be no. Um, they were, they were streamed. Avail- they were available after the fact. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so they were so streamed via Facebook Live for international uh, consumption, minus the CBS game if you were in Canada. Because guess what? You guys can get CBS Sports in Canada. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, but, uh, to my knowledge right now, unless they get an international distributor and I know that they were in discussions, at least I'm, I'm basing this off the MLR kickoff episode that had Nick Benson on it. Uh, they were in discussions with a, uh, distributor for rights overseas. So we'll see if that happens. If not, you can expect them on YouTube probably by Wednesday of each week again. All right. Uh, Cardiff RCM asks, what does Dan Power mean when he says merry gang of goons? I think that's just old man rugby jargon. <laughs> well, I mean, so he, he, I mean, he said it as sort of a shout out to like us uh, and <laughs> what we do. Uh, and what are we a married gang of goons? I'm sort of like I'm sort of grumpy, to be honest. We're the bad news freaking bears. I'm so, I mean there, and I guess it's like gang of goons because we've sort of put together a a pretty uh, we've got a sevens team right now. Um, I don't know. I mean, we we don't have depth to uh, to play uh, past you know an injury. But there are seven people associated with the Earful of Dirt brand right now. So. Yeah. We'll take it. <laughs> All right. Uh, Milkstick Connoisseur says. I still, love the, I still love that username, by the way. Right. Best username on the internet. It's, it's a goodie. 
so this actually is kind of what we just talked about. Uh, how has New England attracted such serious talent from active teams when they won't be ready to play a real season until 2020? Because I think it might just be Magleby's most... just getting getting people, you know, with his own name, you know, recognition. You know, I don't want to say he's calling in favors, but I think he's, you know, he entices people to kind of come, you know, help, you know, be the foundation of a, like, you know, of something new. And I think, you know, people definitely wanted a chance to show off their talent before the MLR season kicks off. You know, it's all about trying to earn money and show off your minutes. I mean, I'm pretty sure Ty Leader is going to be playing somewhere in the league. I don't know where he'll be loaned to, but I'm sure he's going to play somewhere. Uh you know, Ben Sema is going to play somewhere. Uh, already Matt Houston is playing somewhere. I want to, in, like, I guess the name, one of the players I want to see play somewhere is Jihad Kabir. Uh, he's freaking good. Um, I mean, a lot of those guys on, from the Mystic Corps uh, could play, but it would probably make more sense to sort of retain them and keep them in a system if they are to install that system over the spring so that you have, you know, a core of guys that are ready to form the core for your recruitment in the next year, because recruitment is a six month process. Basically you you have to, as soon as the league kicks off and those people that for foreign players, you need to start your recruitment. Like as soon as the league, kicks off in January, you need to start looking and scouting for foreign players. So, yeah. All right. M-A-R-S-1317. That sounds like a made-up name. Mm-hmm. How does MLR decide on cities for expansion teams? Sub-question, is there any chance of Philadelphia getting an MLR franchise in the next five years? Do you got a couple of you know, hundred millionaire backers. Yeah, essentially, you know, if, if if the city has a decent enough market, you know, especially if it's one that isn't claimed by you know MLB or NFL like teams already, there's a few factors that you know definitely play into it. You know, money talks. That's like, you know numero uno going into the whole process. Uh, Philly, you know, you have some good teams. You got Scully River down there. You know, is you know is one really good club, uh, but at the same time, you know, you do have the you know potential entrance of a DC MLR team that might not want that you know particular competition just right up the highway. So, you know that that's always something that, that you need to consider in a situation like this. Yeah, I think that's a fair point, especially between uh, like Philadelphia DC being so close. It kind of reminds me of uh, uh, some of the rumors we heard around uh, San Diego's response to a potential LA team coming in. So I don't know. It'd be interesting. Uh, the East coast definitely has room to support teams. Uh, rugby's huge out there. So mm-hmm. look at me talking like I know anything about this. You're the one that knows these things, Liam. <laughs> okay. I, I don't know anything. <laughs> nah, sometimes I know stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Last uh, last question of the evening, and this is not one that came in from questions from Bob. This is actually one that kind of sparked a lot of a lot of discussion over on our Reddit page. Um, but it it affects our show, so I wanted to be sure to address it and uh, just kind of flesh this one out a little bit. So, 
More America, please, wants to know, why does Aaron Castro keep hating on everything Seattle? Liam, do you have have any any thoughts on this? Aaron Castro is a very good journalist, and he's one of the most unbiased people that I know when it comes to the sport of rugby and the coverage of it within the media. And I do not think that he has ever, nor will he ever, show an unfair bias towards the city or any sort of team in Seattle, and that includes the Seawolves. Now, while there has been some you know, talk that we have shown bias as a program, I do not agree with this sentiment. And moving forward, I do not think that it is even worth discussing whether or not we have a bias towards the Seattle Seawolves because we have a lot of friends on that team and a lot of people have been very kind to us. And I think it's fair to say that we have always given them a fair shake. Um, I, I guess if you want to see my response, you can go on to Reddit and, t- and take a look at that. All I'm saying is that if you're going to field a de facto professional team, which the Seawolves basically did, and yes, the BC Premier League is the top dem- top amateur professional amateur competition in North America. However, the Seawolves, the Seattle Saracens, had at diff- have had during the BC Premier League season at different points up to eight MLR players on the field. So if you're going to do that. You need to win by 20 points or more, which they did against James Bay. They had a bye this week, so, uh, you know, no, no criticism from me. Uh, you know, I, like I said there, I pounded Nyack for how they, they have played this season, and I've pounded Mystic for how bad they've played this season when it comes to the ARP and how some of those yeah, players yeah. are going to be in the MLR. So if you're going to field an amateur team with a bunch of pros, expect for me to get annoyed. That's all I'm saying. Um, Now, the Seattle Saracens, which formed the core of the Seawolves last year, also struggled in the BC Premier League. When you put that team together with the guys from up north on the Vancouver teams that were in the BC Premier League, and, you know, you put that whole team together, you came up with a championship contender. And I guess that says a lot about what they're playing in, but we're trying to raise the level of MLR. So my expectations are going to be up here the entire time. That's all I'm saying. Um, you know, so Old Blue was full of, uh, you know, Rooney players. And what did they do this weekend? They went out and beat the Chicago Lions in the U.S. Elite Cup, which is this fall competition for elite teams. Uh, all of the teams that play D1 in the West don't play until the spring. So they went and showed what they should, what they were supposed to do. So kudos to Old Blue for winning the U.S. Elite Cup. But as I say, uh, play in the spring. That's the national championship. I appreciate it. Thank you, Aaron, for addressing that. And all joking aside, um, I, I will just say that we always. Oh, oh, this is the one reason why I will have umbrage with Seattle. Guys, I want a scarf. You need to make scarves this year. They made scarves. <laughs> they made scarves last year, and I only think they made like 400 of them, and they were sold out quick. They were the only team to make scarves. 
I know Glendale has in the past made scarves. So Glendale also makes scarves this year. That's 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 my only point of criticism is I want because <laughs> I want a scarf. Is that a? I think I think every team should make scarves. I I feel a, like especially if we're problem? gonna be if, if we're gonna be playing in January, you know, and you want fans to go to the stadiums in January, make, make scarves. Seems fair. All right, fellas. I think uh, I think that just about wraps us up for the evening. Hell yeah. yeah. Uh, you, you have any final thoughts on our way out here? Um, I hope the, are the Patriots still on? I really hope they are. <laughs> uh, go Eagles and Corey. I'll see you in Chicago. Absolutely. All right, fellas. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. We'll be right here uh, again next Monday live on YouTube. And uh, as always, we'll be have this show available for download Wednesday morning from all of your favorite podcast providers. If you like what we do, please subscribe to us on YouTube and uh, on iTunes, and please provide feedback. Just a quick shout out. Five-star feedback will get read on air, so uh, if you want to give us a review on iTunes, tell us we're awesome. We'll, uh, we'll send, send that awesome right back to you. Be sure to share uh, your own news, views, and abuse with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And, uh, yeah, subscribe to us on all those services, too. We, we love connecting with you. We love hearing from you and knowing what's going on out there. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you for tuning in live. We will see you next week. Thank you for listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning through your favorite podcast provider, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Subscribe to our channel on YouTube and like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can share your thoughts with us via our voicemail by calling 720-600-2679. We're live again next Monday at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. We'll see you then.